case file number 1.10. More lulls, more problems. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subject in the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So let me ask you a question. Do you recognize this theme song? It sounds like a theme from one of the 80s, uh, from one of those 80s shows, but I... I, I think it's... I think it's from the 80s, maybe the 70s. Maybe. I think right here. The love bug. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so that'll tie into our story in a little bit, but I wanted to throw it out there because I had forgotten what the love boat's theme actually was. Only reason I know is because it was the only show I could stand in the daytime whenever I was homesick from uh, school in elementary school. Oh, yeah. I used to, I used to watch uh, Price is Right all the time. But yeah, today uh, we're going to be talking about LulzSec, which um, kind of extends upon our uh, our other episode about Anonymous and, um, you know, all the different hacking groups. So, you know, obviously LulzSec, LulzSec, doing it for the LulzSec, you know, in the in the research, I uh, found out like just a bunch of stuff about their, their members and everything. And uh, so basically, we're going to break it down with like a little bit of background about them, uh, a few of their members, um, go into their ideology. And then, uh, you know, all the different things they got or they did and then were arrested for. Well, if they hadn't been arrested, we wouldn't know as much. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Pretty, pretty interesting, like, uh, story. So according to a federal indictment against his members, um, it stated that all the members used to be part of the collective called uh, Internet Feds, which I was never familiar with. I haven't really heard about that group and that they had a rivalry with an anonymous set at one point. Okay. And, you know, this, this group was also responsible. I think we talked about in the anonymous episode, uh, attack on HB Gary. Mm-hmm. And so this group also was partly responsible for that. Um, also, Fine Gale and Fox Broadcast. Um, and so, you know, the, this was the also including the incident where all the HB Gary emails got leaked and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, following the publicity of that email leak, um, Bullsec officially founded itself by its uh, six members. Mm-hmm. Um, like the anonymous group, uh, they characterize more in terms of like cyber pranks rather than the full on cyber warfare. Yeah. So they have claimed the two times, you know, they have the ability to perform stronger attacks. They just, you know, they didn't want to. Like it wasn't what their modus uh, operandi was. So they gained a lot of attention due to their claims of responsibility and taunting of corporations that were hacked, uh, frequently defacing websites and internet, tossing internet memes up on the sites that they had defaced and whatnot. And they emerged around 2011 and attacked several major corporations uh, successfully and put their name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of attention by the media around that time. So most of their attacks were just, you know, basic, straightforward SQL injection attacks. Uh, 
and just denial of service. So a lot of, you know, the same stuff Anonymous was doing, a lot of the other hacker groups. Was one of the six members Little Bobby Tables? <laughs> no, he got dropped out of the group oh, pretty I quickly. So. He, he, he's always at risk for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, the website proclaimed their motto of uh, laughing at security since 2011 and played the theme from the love boat over at the, uh, the website. So that's why I threw that uh, theme song up there. So uh, via Twitter and their website, they would announce exploits, uh, usually accompanied with lighthearted ASCII drawings of boats. So a lot of, uh, a lot of like, you know, interplay there with the boat theme going on. And they also had a donation link on their website for Bitcoin. Okay. So, yeah. Which <laughs> Before strange, Patreon. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hacking the um, Gibson on Patreon. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Donate. Uh, Ian Paul of PC World wrote, uh, as the name suggests, LulzSec claims to be interested in mocking and embarrassing companies by exposing security flaws rather than stealing data for criminal purposes. So obviously they weren't selling any of this. They were just kind of you know, poking at these holes and like you know, publishing it all just to make fun of the companies that yeah, didn't feel like they should spend any money on their IT project. Yeah, or hire somebody competent. Yeah, exactly. Going into the classic trap of if you don't have anybody that knows what good work looks like, you can't easily hire somebody that actually knows what they're doing. Also, like we can't hire a you know legit SA or you know to do any of the security stuff. Like I need another yacht. So <laughs> well, all that money's going towards that. Yeah. Well, I mean, however you, you slice it, it's there. There are people that have uh, that have uh, played themselves by hiring somebody that for half as much that couldn't even do half as much work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, many in the security community contended that the group raised a lot of awareness of the widespread lack of security against hackers. So, you know, they're kind of seen in dual light, like the media likes to bring them as you know, the horrible bad guys, but a lot of other groups are kind of like, yeah, they were just pranksters. And like, you know, they also pointed out a lot of issues. And so... They weren't actively stealing your stuff and selling it to like, you know, Russian hackers to use credit cards. So the they inspired a group in Canada called Lulz Raft, mm -hmm. um, who hacked the Canadian Conservative Party websites on multiple occasions. <laughs> One such attack posting an alarm or an alert that the Prime Minister at the time, Stephen Harper, had choked on a hash brown while eating breakfast and was being airlifted to the Toronto hospital. Uh, this actually fooled a bunch of people. It's because it didn't have enough cheese curd on there to lubricate it on the way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this fooled the uh, the Canadian MP, and he was like spreading the story all over Twitter. Before, like, finally, they were like, "No, this isn't real." And like, I as I was reading this, I kind of vaguely remember just seeing a news article pop up, like you know, when I was in theory about this. And, like at the time, I didn't care at all. Yeah, but, I don't even remember this, but yeah. But I, I also, you know, upstate New York, we were closer to Canada. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I get So in June 2011, Lulzek began taking suggestions for sites to hit with DDoS attacks. You know, just kind of ask their fans, like, what should we hit next? <laughs> so they, Imagine them in the world of Patreon. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. For a $500 have a, have a donation, list. nominate yeah, yeah, yeah. a target. So they, they actually redirected uh, telephone numbers to a bunch of different support lines, uh, including the line for World of Warcraft. Um, which I found, like, I didn't even know there was a support hotline for World of Warcraft. Like, I always dealt with the GMs in game. But um, also, Magnets.com, which I don't know. I, I meant to look it up if this is around the time uh, in St. Claude Posse had that Magnets song. Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, so it was, uh, the, the song is named 
and I'm embarrassed I know this, miracles. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If our listeners don't know the song, uh, look it up. It's it's vastly entertaining. I, I actually recommend that you don't, but I'm I, but I have the contrary <laughs> opinion of not laughing at things so bad that they're uh, for how bad they are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they also redirected the telephone uh, support lines for the FBI Detroit office. <laughs> they claimed uh, they sent five to twenty calls per second to these sources, overwhelming their support officers. Yeah. Oh. Did you, did you get any detail on how they were doing that? No, no, I couldn't really find, like, no one really looked into the write-up on Yeah, that. well, because, uh, I mean, I don't know, and so we're just kind of spitballing, but right around that time was when we were kind of in the first real use of SIP, of, you know, internet telephony at scale. Um, and there right. was, we may, I mean, once I can do some research on this, because I only have, like, vague recollections of a few articles I read, but there was uh, somebody who who was using essentially stolen SIP credentials to sell um, calling cards. Like they did that at scale, it was like millions <laughs> of minutes worth of worth of oh, stuff. It, 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 it was not trivial, but like I, I only vaguely remember the details. So I have to research that to do an episode on it. But what I'm, but, yeah. but the point I was making is that at that point in time, there was a lot of internet telephony that wasn't well or securely configured right right yeah so if you knew if you knew enough about how to work with it you may very well they may very well have been able to make that happen by um messing with with some internet telephony stuff uh rather than having to work with to do anything to like hack the actual phone system um so that's why i'm kind of interested is like were they doing that stuff because that would be actually really interesting if they were yeah, I can only I can only imagine it's something around there because yeah. yeah, like it's not like they went into these places and actually redirected the phone lines. <laughs> that, that stuff like when I did uh, a little bit of construction improvement uh, for one of my jobs, like we we would go into the back room to open it up, and then like the phone line is just like wires everywhere. Oh, it's just like oh, I know. How do you even trace this? And it was just like you pulled out your toner and you were just yeah, like yeah mm, the fox and hound the 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 the, yep, the, uh, yep. the toner and listener combo uh one of my first jobs in tech was running cables and so i am yeah i've i've had to deal with my fair share of uh of 110 blocks <laughs> yep yep so yeah um on the 24th of june uh 2011 the guardian leaked logs of one of the group's irc chats showing the core group was uh, pretty small and led by a guy named Sabu, mm-hmm. uh who Basically, you know, exercised large control over their activities. It was kind of the de facto leader of the group. Mm-hmm. The logs also showed connections with Anonymous, uh, though it was not formally affiliated with it. But like we mentioned in the Anonymous episode, like to be affiliated with Anonymous, you just got to say, right. yeah, no, it, and, and you are. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's a set of beliefs and common, uh, let's say, common experience is is yeah, yeah. the level of association. So even if there was a rivalry, they had a lot of, similar beliefs which denote a similar uh, uh which is you know similar cultural values similar mm-hmm. um probably similar age range stuff like that yeah yeah exactly like you know they might have broken off or mm-hmm. some disagreement come back help them out with other things like you know it's always a back and forth so just after midnight on the 26th of june 11 uh lulsic released uh, 50 days of lull statement which claimed to be their final release, confirming it consisted of six members and that the website was taken down. They claimed they had planned to only be active 50 days from the beginning, 
stating they were not quitting because they were afraid of law enforcement, but because the press was getting bored of them. And frankly, they were also just getting bored mm -hmm. themselves, too. So they wanted to just, you know, go off and do other things. Kids today can't stick with anything. <laughs> I know, right? So its members, um, as Griffin just mentioned, there was uh, Sabu, uh, one of the group's founders and, you know, physically de facto leader. He would often decide what targets to attack and he would participate in said targets. He was most likely part of the anonymous group who hacked H.P. Uh, Gary. Mm -hmm. And various attempts have been made to release his real identity, like around this time, uh, some claiming that he was an Infotech consultant with the strongest, strongest skills of the group and, you know, was very knowledgeable in Python. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then th there was Tapari, uh, suspected as being another former member of Anonymous, uh, where he used, perform uh, used to perform media relations, including hacking the Westboro Baptist Church during a live interview. <laughs> I think I mentioned that during the Anonymous uh, episode. Yeah, he ran the Twitter account for the group, and following the dissolution, he deleted all the posts on Twitter except for the one stating, uh, you cannot arrest an idea, which is obviously a throwback to uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. There was Kayla slash KMS. Uh, it's a handle used by possibly multiple people. Okay. Uh, they owned a botnet that the group actually used to do a lot of their DDoS attacks. Yeah, I, I figure they had access to a botnet based on what they mm -hmm. based on what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had roughly 800,000 computers um, in this botnet. And this handle was involved in several high-profile attacks under the group uh, Gnosis, which was another group that I, I was not too familiar with. I need to go back and do some more looking into that. And have, may have also participated in the uh, Anon op against H.P. Uh, Gary too. They also reportedly wiretapped two CIA agents uh, in an anonymous operation and suspected to have been the one finding vulnerabilities uh, for the group to leverage to get access to the U.S. Senate. They were wiretapping the 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 FBI, the CIA, the CIA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but yeah. I, I read that and I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. I wonder. It's not the first time something like that has happened. There, the the old twenty six hundred yeah. crew was known. Like, there's some stories which we may get to about um, them being spied on and them spying on the feds that were spying on them. <laughs> That's great. Then we have uh, Tiflo. He was one of the fourth, he was like the fourth founding member, self labeled uh, PHP coder, uh, web dev, and performer scams on P uh, PayPal. <laughs> yeah. He was placed in charge of the, the maintenance and security of the website for lulzsecurity.com. Uh, that's an important job. <laughs> yeah. Although I read PHP Coder and immediately like had horrible flashbacks to like any any website I've had to put together with PHP. Oh, it could have been worse. You didn't have mm -hmm. to experience the pain of old school Perl based CGI. My primary language is Perl, and I still think that that's a painful way of doing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Evanet was another one core member, but I uh, actually wasn't one of the founding members. He left the group after the self labeled uh, "Fuck the FBI" Friday. Mm -hmm. Affiliated with uh, anonymous Anon Ops uh, HQ, he is, I believe, the only member of this group that has not been identified. Okay, still yeah, at large. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they rounded them all up, they, they didn't hit him. Tone Sauce, uh, another one that joined the group around the same time as uh, Avenant, he worked at a local chapter actually uh, as the chapter leader for OWASP, and actually resigned one week before his arrest. That, that I, I had to have a chuckle at because was like, oh, damn. Yeah. That's that's funny, but also not a thing that is unheard of. I mean, it, yeah, it's not like he was a member of Lulsec and the Bolshoi. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, he understands web vulnerabilities and he works on both sides of the code. 
yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have uh, Paladin. He was, uh, the only thing I could find on him was just that he was a wrestling uh, Ireland. Like, there was no real good write-up on him. Okay. The same for uh, Anarch Chaos. Um, again, he was uh, arrested for uh, device fraud and hacking charges. So what you're saying is those two guys don't have the same caliber of publicist as the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, apparently. They're just like, no cool stories on them. Yeah, so the, the main ideology of LawSec is, you know, don't hack financial gain or profit. Their main motivation claims to just be, you know, fun by a mayhem. Mm-hmm. And just saying, you know, they can push all the buttons, you know, make these companies look bad, you know, have fun with it. So they did occasionally take a political stand, or a slant, rather. Mm-hmm. You know, they hacked uh, PBS, and they claimed to have done it, you know, in retaliation for the unfair treatment of WikiLinks in a frontline documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kareem uh, Jijazi, he was the CEO of security company Unvalence. Mm-hmm. He accused the group of blackmailing him. He said that they offered to not attack the company or his affiliates if he would give them a bunch of money. However, they shot back at him and responded by claiming that he had actually come to them and offered to pay them to attack all of his opponents and that they never intended to take any money from him. So who's to say, you know, well, exactly correct on that. But All right. So I'm going to say that they had an ethos and there's a single report of, of them trying to uh, extort money. I'm inclined to believe, um, or so I was actually reading something on some uh, recent political stuff that where it was only dumb criminals only try the same scam once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like by that logic, either there's a bunch of people <laughs> that didn't come forward or this guy was making shit up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to, you know, like given everything else they did and never doing anything for any sort of monetary gain yeah. and having a donation on the website, like, I tend to believe them over uh, yeah. the CEO. It's consistency of behavior. Extraordinary claims, extraordinary evidence. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, they, you know, they obviously deny any responsibility for the misuse of data they had breached or released, instead placing blame on the users who reuse passwords amongst many services and on the companies with bad security. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically saying, like, you kind of got what was coming to you, like, you know, it's on the web. It's open. You know, we just poked into the holes and yeah. made everyone basically aware. To the point you were talking about earlier, the people that were that the graffiti artists, as I like to refer to them, of the internet are were, yeah, they made you look bad, but the impact wasn't the same as uh, the impact wasn't true, fully exploited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen people who get the credentials and keep really quiet and milk people for as much as they can as long as they can yeah you know it's just if they deface your website and you know put a bunch of you know uh internet memes on it Mm -hmm. it's just it's calling attention to the public they're like hey maybe you don't want to trust this company with your security because if we can hit their you know front-facing website so easy what do you really think is going on in the back end it's like right holding all of your you know secure data if you can write to the front page um i mean we know there was the whole case where where the um, where malware was distributed by banner ads on major websites. Yeah, exactly. Knowing that the website is has been hacked and even that they probably fixed it is better than somebody distributing malware for profit through the same means through the same hack. Yeah, it is. It's a question of like, hey, if we got on your website, how many other people do you think have been here already yeah. doing malicious, you know, 
quiet stuff. And, you know, we're the ones that, you know, shot the fireworks off to whatever they want. And going back to our scanning the, the internet episode, security through obscurity and it being on, on the internet are not things that exist in the same time and place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could be obscure if you're not open on the internet, but eventually somebody's going to find you if you're just open on the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in June 2011, uh, Lulzik released a manifesto outlining why they performed hacks and website takedowns, reiterating, you know, quote, we do things just because we find it entertaining. Uh, also claiming to draw attention to computer security flaws in uh, all these different uh, corporations. They contended that other hackers exploit and steal info without releasing names publicly or telling people that they've been hacked. Lulzik that, that by releasing these names and info to the public of vulnerable websites, they were giving users the opportunity to change names and passwords. Yeah. Um, and I think that they, that doing this started some of the, the, uh, the have you been hacked type sites where mm-hmm. they've taken major data dumps, figured out what the credentials were and let you, uh, and let users and even organizations search them to see if anything's, anything comes up. Um, it sounds like, the place where some of that started, the, the idea of, of having that resource of, hey, have your credentials been exposed may have started. Yeah, because I know, like the, the one I, that I always refer people to is, uh, have I been phoned by Brian Krebs? That's the one, have, have I been phoned? Yeah, and I know he, he pulls, you know, all this data from obviously public dumps, and he also like scours a lot of uh, uh, Russian, like, you know, darknet forums and stuff like that to pull dumps from there too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lulzek attacks. The first recorded attack was the one that I mentioned earlier about uh, against Fox.com. Mm-hmm. It could have, they could have still been under the whole internet feds uh, grouping at the time, mm-hmm. but we're not entirely sure. They claim to be responsible for leaking passwords and altering employee profile, LinkedIn profiles. And they also leaked the database of uh, X Factor contestants <laughs> with the, uh, confo- or the contact info for around like 73,000 of them. And this was all in retaliation uh, for someone uh, referring to the rapper Common as vile on air. Oh, I, I thought they just didn't get put on the X Factor. <laughs> that no. would have been even better. Criticize my singing voice, will you? Exactly. I'll show you. But, you know, so. fair enough that, that you know, princ- principles stand. They, they, they uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> possibly an overreaction, but, you know, principles yeah. stand. <laughs> yeah. So soon after, they released transaction logs of uh, 3,100 ATMs in the United Kingdom. <laughs> and in May, members of Wellsick gained international pensions for hacking the American public broadcasting system, stealing user data and faking, posting a fake story, which claimed that Tupac and Biggie were still alive and in New Zealand hanging out. At least they didn't defile people's visions of Big Bird. That's true. They, they, you you got to give them credit for that. <laughs> So in uh, June of 2011, members of the group claimed responsibility for the Sony Pictures attack uh, that took data of thousands of people, including passwords, emails, home addresses, dates of birth. Uh, this is the big one that there was associated with, and probably why the FBI and everything would called in to like, you know, start hunting them down. Of course, the American public broadcasting system doesn't engender that yeah. kind of urgency, but a major corporation? Yep. Immediately, hunt them down. <laughs> Spare no expense. They claimed this attack for uh, against Sony was a SQL injection attack motivated by Sony's legal action against uh, George uh, Hotz for his jailbreaking PS3, which we kind of talked about in this episode as well. Mm-hmm. They attempted a hack of Nintendo, but both groups, uh, both the group and Nintendo, reported no valuable information was stolen mm-hmm. or uh, was actually found by them. 
Lol's like stating that they actually did not wish to harm Nintendo in any way uh, because they like the Nintendo 64 too much. Mm -hmm. They just wanted Nintendo to plug up their security gaps. And kind of in that same vein, they hacked Bethesda Gaming Studios Network and posted the info taken from the network on the web. They refrained from publishing uh, 200,000 compromised accounts, though. Posting on Twitter at one point, Bethesda, we broke into your site two months ago and have all your Brink users for weeks. Please fix your junk. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Brink being like an FPS that Bethesda was publishing. For yeah, well, now now they're behind Microsoft's veil of terror. Um, mm, yes. Although I have to say, Microsoft is generally fairly good about security at this point. Yeah, I mean, given Bethesda's history with all of their Elder Scroll games and how <laughs> none of them have any bugs in them whatsoever, I can't imagine their cybersecurity would be poor. Yeah, so the so the whole mod thing is is just uh, in Sky, Skyrim mod thing is just a thing that they wanted to have happen because they <laughs> yeah yeah they they were like hey like we put so many bugs in the game because we wanted to like, you know give you something to do like help us out improve the game it's part of the game yeah and then we'll try to monetize all these uh, all these mods and make charge you for them see how well that goes so they took down four websites by request of the fans this is you know they were kind of fielding uh, all the fan input. Uh, those being Minecraft, League of Legends, The Escapist, uh, mm -hmm. which I like his videos, pretty good reviews of uh, video games and stuff like that. Um, and uh, IC security company, Finn Fisher. Uh, also attacking the login servers of Eve Online and League of Legends. Uh, most of these all by, you know, distributed dial service attacks. Sorry, I, they, they don't get credit for me from DDoSing site. It's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, mm, cool. yeah, it's just... It's annoying, especially if you're playing the game, like whenever yeah, people yeah. get DDoSed, and I'm like, man, I just want to log in and like, you know, kill some time. But yeah, I got it. I mean, DDoS prote protection stuff has has improved significantly over the years, but the fact mm. is, it's just my connections. Well, I'm just throwing more connection at you. Um, I will yeah. give some points for a successful use of like an NSEC three reflection attack. Because there's some technical sophistication to that, but... Yeah, exactly. So, 15th of June, they took down the main server for uh, Heroes of New Earth. Uh, that was another request by a fan. <laughs> and uh, they, oh, I think they, they claimed when they took it down, uh, like, yeah, Dota's better. Anyways. So, it sounds like a lot of video game-based stuff. I, I Yeah, go, go figure, given their age. And, I'm yeah. just saying they decided not to make any, like, significant stands on anything that mattered to anybody but the folks that were in that that social group yeah yeah pretty much uh they claim to have hacked local uh infraguard chapter sites a nonprofit organization affiliated with the fbi leaking member emails and databases of local users the 9th of june they sent an email to the admins of the british national health service informing them of a bunch of security vulnerabilities in the nhs systems and basically stating that they did not intend to ex exploit any of these, quoting, we mean you no harm and only want to help you fix your tech issues. Fair enough. That like that that's yeah. probably a, the biggest possible example of uh we were playing around and maybe you should fix because if we found it, somebody else will find it. Yeah, like you know, they, they knew even with playing around and stuff like, hey, don't hack help systems like that can, you know, yeah, cause a lot of mayhem and potential death. Right. So yeah, uh there was a report at one point and then this is one of those i don't recall the context but somebody messed with a with hospital with uh 
there was a hospital hack that resulted in uh, hospital equipment being compromised and ended up killing somebody. Uh, yeah. But I don't remember the details at all, but I do know it happened because uh, I have had doing IT work around life critical systems when I worked mm -hmm. in a hospital. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, there's a users might scream and you'll get in trouble. And then there's, you might kill somebody, get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, slight tangent. And we might like do like a full on episode of just like a bunch of IOT things and different acts. But um, did you ever look into the exploits for uh, pacemakers? No, I, I, I know I saw it on a schedule for one conference I was at, but I never, I didn't go to that particular talk. Yeah, it might have been based off the conference, but I, yeah, you know, I was just mm -hmm. reading just different media articles and whatnot on that. And basically, like someone had figured out a way to um, hack into people's pacemakers, and you could actually like tweak the settings to make, you know, give them a arrhythmia or like you know actually stop their heart. Right, because they were using some kind of like near field uh, um, radio control kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yep, exactly. I remember reading that and just being like, oh man, that's scary. Yeah. Um, the whole internet of things is getting closer and closer to that because um, they're like, you have that for pacemakers. There aren't a ton of pacemakers. You do have to get fairly close for those things to work. Although you could probably mm -hmm. extend the range with the right kind of antenna, directional antenna. Yeah, yeah. But what happens if you have, you give wireless input to cars? Mm -hmm. Cars are everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. The internet of things... There, it's still a computer, but it's a computer attached to a thing. What could that? What could go wrong with that thing? Yeah, yeah, and like we'll we'll do an episode on car hacking at one point. But it's <laughs> it's crazy cool. If you've ever seen any of the videos, of, and this like the first videos I watched was back when you needed access to the ODP port, which still that's not too hard, and it's so out of the way that you could hook something into that. Yeah, and like no one would ever notice that. I just I just had to plug into my ODP port to like read some of my um my codes from my car and like I didn't even know where the hell it was. Like I was like yeah. crawling underneath my steering wheel, like where is this thing? So yeah. Not many not many people uh you know check that when they get into the car. Yeah. I do kind of wish that there was at this point where a lot of cars out there have their own like wireless network and they all pretty much have Bluetooth at this point. It's like, well, why can't I just read the computer without having to hook into the port? But <laughs> Yeah. Like, was it, that was the, the main thing behind, uh, was it the Teslas or the, was Google trying to move automated cars at one point, like doing the testing in California? Uh, Google owned, uh, this is one of those, I'm not sure if I have all the names right, but uh, I think that Google bought or Alphabet bought a company that had a Tesla engineer that at the very least had a lot of uh, brought over a lot of technology influenced by his time at Tesla. Okay. Um, I don't know where the legal dispute is at this point. I just know that there was enough where there was many millions of dollars spent on, uh, on, um, on legal proceedings about whether or not uh, intellectual property was stolen. Yeah. I, I just remember reading articles on like, you know, how the whole mesh network would work. I know like the, the, the general idea is like you know, all these cars would be networked together so they can track of where they are as they're moving on the highway. Yeah, that's a pretty standard idea on how making all this stuff work. Yeah. But like other things use that, like, you know, things like ways and Google Maps and people have, you know, there was the, the one guy that hacked into or figured out a way to, like, you know, modify other ways or Google input where he was sending um, his ping for his car mm -hmm. like thousands of times per second. So 
the servers thought that you know there was a huge traffic jam on that road and redirected everyone away and he just like had you know a full full highway basically to himself well it would be more complex to actually uh tag each input so that so that you couldn't spoof uh trans spoof location transmissions yeah yeah exactly why have a, another field and make a computer do more math yeah so anyways uh tangent tangent aside uh the 13th of june uh Lulsec released emails and passwords of a number of users from uh, senate.gov 13th of june what year uh 2011 this is this is all 2011 20, oh this oh this is all 2011 this is all literally within the span of like two to three months like this all happened oh wow yeah, they they were like running rampant for like two three months, and then like 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 they said in their one manifesto, like they had only originally wanted to hang around for fifty days. Yeah, it was a little bit longer than that, but you know, yeah, that, 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 no, I I definitely had the impression that they were operational for longer than that. Yeah, no. So they they got a bunch of emails and passwords for a bunch of users from Senate.gov, mm -hmm. and uh, they released that uh, info, also including the root directory of parts of the website. Though they did not release any highly sensitive uh, information. Sure. Well, one hopes there wasn't any highly sensitive information on the public web server for Senate. Uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> one, one hopes. Yeah. And then uh, the 15th of June, they also launched an attack in CIA.gov. Mm -hmm. um, they took on their website with a DDoS attack for like a few, few hours or something like that. All this basically culminated in, uh, you know, the FBI kind of looking into what was going on and trying to figure out, you know, where are these guys? And working with a bunch of different law enforcement around the globe. So I did not know this um, until I was reading this, but the FBI raided a facility in Reston, Virginia um, of the Swiss web hosting service, Digital One. I used to like live around that area. So I know kind of where that building is. I think, I feel like I've seen that sign before. Um, and during this raid, they actually took down several legitimate websites that too. That doesn't shock me that they were kind of bull in the china shop. Yeah. What does surprise me is that they responded in under a year. That probably has to do something with Sony and you know also the CIA and the Senate, but most most likely Sony. I'm just saying, going back to Operation Ghost Click, it took what two years for them to take it down. Mm. Um, even after waiting a few years to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, yeah, so you know, they they never actually said what the target was they were looking for as they were doing this, but the media speculated it was Lulzek at this point. Um, you know, just because of the events surrounding this, the rage just happened off, and you know, right then. Mm -hmm. On July nineteenth, Tiflo was arrested in London, um, and on the same day, the FBI arrested another member in Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh, accusing him of stealing thousands of documents and applications from uh, AT and T. July twenty seventh, Tapari was arrested in Shetland. And then September 2011, um, two further arrests in Wiltshire and South Yorkshire, uh, accusing the two in relation to the uh, little segment of the Cable. So another arrest happened in September 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona, and then another one in August in Chandler, Arizona. It, it didn't even cite the names of the people, so I can only assume it's those two, two members that had like literally no information on them. Again, blame their publicists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then finally, two men in uh, Great Britain, uh, one from the U.S. and two from Ireland, were all charged in connection in their involvement with LulzSec. And basically, all this stemmed from the FBI now at this point released the fact that Sabu had been arrested a while ago and had been helping uh, the FBI since August 15th uh, as part of his plea deal to unmask all the other members of LulzSec. All right. That's standard FBI mm -hmm. MO. Um, yeah, flip the one guy and get the rest. 
for better or for worse, that's, that's still been um, a significant portion of how they've operated in the um, in internet law enforcement is they still lean pretty heavily on, um, on the human intelligence side of things. In a lot of the examples where we see technical sophistication bringing us to places, the, the part two of the ransomware series is gonna be about, um, about the operation um, that took down CryptoLocker. And a lot of the technical work was done by private cybersecurity firms to discover what was going on before um, before any action was actually taken. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. I would be interested in knowing how they got to him, whether they got to whether they arrested him for another reason or if they had tracked him down. But it's absolutely within their modus operandi to uh, to flip him to give to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then the the one guy that they you know never identified. Probably just wasn't part of the group long enough for either Sabu to really know him or his opsec was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, all I got for Volsec. Um, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And, you know, obviously, just like anonymous, you know, a morally gray area. Um, you know, obviously, like yeah. the hospital thing that we talked about and some of the other stuff. Yeah, you know, they they did a good service there. You know, they just kind of alerted them to all the security vulnerabilities. Yeah, I, I mean, I think about this in a couple of different ways. One of them is like is that this was right around that transition period where we started to see more monetization of malware and the malware that was monetized do better generally. Mm -hmm. That was that's one thing that I thought about. The other thing that comes to mind is that they were an organization of a half dozen or so people with a botnet. They yeah. were an organization that had an infrastructure and had the ability if they wanted to to probably operate 24 7 for some for some periods of time yeah yeah definitely um that just goes to show you the size of the infrastructure you need in order to be a significant threat is not nearly as large as you as as you might assume that it is mm -hmm. it's still a little bigger than your movie one mega hacker kind of thing but it's still you know less than a dozen people and very little in the way of financial resources like enough for those people to bring together themselves without involving any kind of outside funding yeah, yeah exactly like the fact that it was only like six seven people that's what surprised me mm -hmm. the most was like you know before i did this research i had assumed it was like you know at least like a collective kind of like anonymous where like you know you're fielding not everyone is there all the time and you might have yeah. like the higher up echelon of like you know a core six, 20 members or whatever but you know you'd have like 100 people bouncing around doing everything i think that anonymous is unique in it or well maybe not unique but uncommon at the very least in that way because getting large groups of people organized is hard and it's almost impossible to do it in a way that doesn't leave a trail that's reasonably easy to follow or infiltrate yeah yeah exactly and like especially now in this day and age yeah the fact that you can you know have a pretty well organized like protest on the web and act out certain things that you see you know as being wrongful uh usually a better option than uh you know obviously nothing wrong with going in person to protest you, know, you should yeah. but the, the way things are going, you also might catch a rubber bullet in the face. 
a lot of episodes on Behind the Bastards that talk a lot about that stuff. Yeah. We don't need to get into it here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, in terms of organization and organization scaling, uh, going back to our talk about APT1, that's organized by a nation state level actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Anonymous had a few core folks and they didn't, the way they, they organized was not in a bi-directional fashion. They had something and then they said, here's how to participate. And the way that people participated was participating and not saying, yes, I will do this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that we're beginning to see a picture of what looks like a formable group and what and what causes a group to scale. And we'll, we can use some of the some of these thoughts to maybe look at some of the future uh, hacks that we do our deconstruct hacks and groups that we do our deconstruction on, mm-hmm. and uh, see if that theory holds true because it's pretty close to in line with the way that I thought things were. But what's great about doing this podcast is that I'm kind of getting my head and in deeper into a lot, bunch of stuff that uh, that I only read the top line. And as soon as it was no longer a thread, it was like, oh, what's the next thing I have to worry about? Exactly. Like a lot of this has just been like, oh, I saw the news article. I never looked into it. And now I can look into it and be like, well, damn, I didn't know all that was involved in that. Like, okay. Yeah. There's even stuff where I went out. Some of these episodes are based on what I mostly remember from a Black Hat or DEF CON or yeah, ShoeCon yeah. or whatever talk. And and it's like, oh, as it turns out, I really should have spent an extra few hours digging into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, ah, oh, damn, I should go back in time. But yeah, that's everything with LulzSec. And uh, play us out, love both things. Or if it's copyrighted, <laughs> don't. Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow Hack the Gibbs 1 on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.